Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. Because of the lighting in here, I can't see you, and all you can probably see is my wee balding apper up here. So apologies for that. I would rather I saw you than you saw me, but that's that's the way that goes. It's lovely to be here. This is one of my favourite churches in Scotland, honestly. Uh, I love this place. Um, I think the last time we were here was uh, a couple of years ago, and we were sharing a little bit about how sports chaplaincy in Scotland had grown. Um, It's grown significantly even since then. We now have uh, over 110 football club chaplains, which is incredible, um, taking up all the kind of professional leagues and and even below that as well. But over this last year, we've seen some remarkable breakthroughs into other sports. So we've appointed our first chaplain in a rugby union club at Stirling. We have appointed our first gym chaplain. And I think that's going to be one of the next big things in Scotland. It makes a lot of sense. And next year, we're about to pilot a a chaplaincy program in Scottish Shinty. I don't know if you've ever watched Shinty. It is mental, honestly. Uh, The guys that play that have unbelievable skill, but bravery. Um, And yeah, we're going to start impacting that particular world as well. So it's just a really exciting time. Um, So of course, when things are really growing like that, then what you do is you go part-time on it. Um, and you take up something else as well, which is what I've done. So over the last number of years, I've started to work in the area of mental health because we recognized uh, in football, this was a a massive issue. Now, everybody knows that for a a professional sports person, you need to be at the top of your game mentally. Your confidence levels need to be good. And so a lot of the psychology within sport has been largely around performance levels. But we recognize that actually, it's not just about performance, it's not just about confidence in your game, but actually your own personal well, mental well-being needs to be in a good place. Because if you're completely broken, or indeed if your head feels like it's full of broken bottles and you just can't focus, you're just in a really, really bad, bad place mentally, you'll not be able to perform anyway. And so over the last number of years, I've been developing my own research my own learning and uh, started to work with NHS Scotland in delivering mental health awareness training and God has been opening up a whole pile of doors on that particular uh, area and so that's the the other part of my life now is is developing this, working with various football clubs so I've had the pleasure of working with clubs like Liverpool, Celtic, Hearts and, um, and also now with different rugby clubs like Glasgow Warriors, Edinburgh Rugby so God's opening up all these doors but The good thing about it is this gives me a great opportunity to just kind of showcase Jesus and how good he is for our mental health. And uh, and so that's really what we're going to be looking at here this morning. Um, Because I really believe that as Christians, we ought to be at the forefront of talking about this whole issue. Now, if I throw up this verse here, it says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you just as you are progressing spiritually. I want to bless you with that this morning and say that to you but when you read that you're probably going to be thinking when I talk about good health you're probably thinking physical health yeah that would be how you would have read that and that's what you would have thought if you thought that put your hand up absolutely no shame in that no shame in that that's good but what I want to tell you is something really important 
is that that is not the sum and total of your health. This comes from the World Health Organization. Health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not just the absence of disease or infirmity. So when we think of health, we've got to be thinking beyond simply our physical health. Because actually, your physical, mental, emotional, social, and let me put in spiritual health, are all inextricably linked, and they all need to be in a good place, otherwise they impact on the others. So as Christians, we ought to be really aware of this, and we need to know what mental health actually is. Normally when I'm delivering a session, I'll say, right, I'm going to give you a phrase, and I want you to think of words you'll associate with that phrase. So I say, physical health. And then you get folks shouting stuff like um, nutrition, diet, exercise, strength, pace, power. All good. And then I'll say the same and say, what about mental health then? And they go, depression, anxiety, stress. It's all very negative. And what I find is, is that generally speaking, when people think of physical health, they think of it firstly in a positive way, and secondly, in a proactive way in the sense of what do we need to do to be physically healthy? Yeah? How do we get and retain physical health? When I use the phrase mental health, people think a mental illness. They think of mental health in a negative way, and they only think of it when it's gone wrong. And so over the years as I've been working in this field, I've been talking a lot about mental illness intervention, how to spot signs that things are not good. But my research and my training has developed into looking at how do we actually get great mental health? And what I've discovered is, as I've researched GPs, psychologists, psychiatrists, and other people, I've discovered that they are coming up with some amazing research that God told us about centuries in his word. They're just kind of catching up with him, as is generally the case, eh? So we're going to look at that today. So, what your mental health is, is your psychological well-being. It's how you think, it's how you feel, it's how you act. So it's all to do with your soul. Because that's what your soul is, eh? It's how you think, it's how you feel, it's how you behave. So that's your psychological well-being. That's where your mental health resides. And here's the thing, you've all got it. You know, I'll have heard it said of somebody, I see the wee man, aye, struggling, he's got mental health. And whenever anybody says that to me, I say, aye, by the way, so have you. What are you talking about? I says, well, so have I. Have you? Aye, you've all got it. It might be good, it might be bad, but you've all got it, so you better take good care of it. Don't take it for granted. So, I know what you're sitting there thinking. You're thinking, what are we doing discussing this in church anyway? Because we are Christians, so we don't have these kind of struggles, eh? Christians don't have struggles with mental health issues. All we do is we just speak out words of faith, and, and it's boom, it's gone, you know? So, of course, if you're following Jesus, if you have given your life to him, um, if you are a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, you're not going to have any mental health struggles, so what's this all about? Who's this for? It's funny that, because in the Bible that I read, I see a whole bunch of guys that struggle with mental health, you know, I really do, and, and I see this guy here, David, and I read this, and with my understanding of mental health now, I read this through different lenses, David says, why are you in despair, O oh my soul? Why have you become restless and disturbed within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for him, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me, the burden more than I can bear. 
Let me tell you, King David, man after God's own heart, suffered depression. I believe Elijah suffered depression. I believe Jeremiah suffered depression. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You know, in church, if we have a physical ailment, we're used to having healing in church. And I'm sure you guys, as I have, have seen remarkable healings in physical health. I've been healed myself. And so, generally speaking, if we have a physical health issue, what we will do is we'll call on the elders of the church and they'll anoint us with oil and they'll pray for us and, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well again. And we rejoice in that. And that's just a normal part of church. My question is, why do we don't do that with mental health issues? Because God's the same God that heals the physical as he is the mental. You know, the Bible says that Jesus on the cross carried our sins and our sorrows. Yeah? Jesus carried our sins and our sorrows. He carried our sicknesses and he carried all our mental issues on his body on the cross. So the way I look at it is Jesus has died for us for all these things, including our mental well-being. So we can lay claim on his promises for healing for that as much as anything else. So, just so I can contextualize this, right? Um, so that we're understanding what poor mental health looks like, because sometimes you need the bad news before you hear the good news, right? We're going to look at some of the things that you might recognize in yourself, or maybe in a friend or a family member. And when you look at these things, I want you just to be honest with yourself. I want you to think of people in your life as to whether or not they're in good mental health, because it's not always just in there. You know how you've heard that phrase, it's all in his head. Actually, it's not. So let me just put up some stuff. So if, for example, this is you or someone else, that you've noticed a big change in your appetite, you know, you, you, you've either got no appetite, you just don't feel you can eat, or you find that you've lost a lot of weight without trying, wouldn't that be great in January? <laughs> uh, or you're putting on a lot of weight despite trying not to, you're comfort eating, or you're finding that your sleeping patterns are all over the place, you're not sleeping, you're waking up in the middle of the night with the ruminating thoughts, repetitive thinking, or you just can't stop sleeping. All these things here might be an indication there's something mentally out of alignment. Maybe just in terms of your own personal demeanor, your, you know, your, 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 your lack of care over your appearance. Maybe normally you're quite sharp and smart, but now you just, you just can't be bothered. You don't really look after it yourself. You're feeling a bit disheveled and, and you just don't feel motivated to look after yourselves. Maybe that is not just a physical thing. Maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe, you know, normally you, you're it's quite an emotional equilibrium with you, you know. You're, you're normally quite balanced. You can cope with stuff. You're quite resilient, you know. Stuff happens in life, but you're normally, it's like, ah, water off a duck's back. But now, those things are getting right under your skin. Things that you used to just sort of bat away last year, now it's really getting to you. Now it's really dragging you down, and you're like, well, like nothing's changed circumstantially, but how I'm coping with it is... That could be a mental health issue for you. Um, maybe it is that you're just actually just non-emotional. Um, so, for example, you know, normally things that you would enjoy doing, like you're buzzing for church, but actually the reality is you were dreading coming out this morning. Not because the church isn't great, because it is amazing. I love this place. Worship's just brilliant. Just everything about this place is brilliant. 
and you know that, but actually you were dreading coming because you just don't feel motivated, you don't feel energized, you just, you're really struggling to do life, and actually, behaviorally, you find yourself withdrawing from company. So maybe coming into a group of people, which would normally just be something you'd look forward to, because like, this is your family, you're like, actually, I don't really know if I can face this this morning, and you're putting on an act, you're putting on a facade, you're trying to fake it till you make it, you're trying to appear to everybody else that all is well because you don't want to drag anyone else down, but you're dying on the inside, you're really struggling, you're singing all these worship songs and you believe it with all your heart, you know that God gives beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, you know that, but actually where you're at just now is you just can't get out the bit, and you believe that stuff, you want that stuff, but it just isn't happening, and you're beating yourself up over the head over this because you think it should be, maybe there's actually something happening in terms of your mental health. Maybe you're just kind of drifting in and out of this. Maybe that's because I'm boring. <laughs> maybe you're just like, you're, you're hearing bits and then it just seems like sometimes that the brains in your, the, the wires in your brain are fused. It's like you're, you're not processing stuff in your brain. It's not even getting in one ear and out the other. It's just swirling about out there and not even getting in. That actually could be a mental health problem. Um, maybe you're normally a kind of normal, decent person, but you've been behaving really reckless and erratic recently. You know, maybe you're driving in such a way that, do you know what, you're driving that you could quite easily create an accident for yourself, but you don't really care because you're not that bothered whether you live or die now. That could be a mental health issue. Think about how you're speaking. You know, people that are talking in ways that express hopelessness and despair or lack of a, a hope for the future, maybe that's because you don't see one. You know what? People who attempt suicide, I can tell you right now, they don't want to die. They just can't face life and they can't see a way out. And folks, that happens to Christians as well. Men are three times as likely to complete suicide than women. And it's because we don't share our stuff because we're men you know women share problems they talk you through the process of what you're going through we don't do that uh -uh. we solve problems and tell you how we did it but sadly what happens is we sometimes think that suicide is the solution and, and it's not and if anybody here today has been having thoughts of suicide you need to share that with somebody because you know what's going to happen when you share that when you internalize everything, you justify anything. When you externalize stuff, you see it for what it is, you probably talk yourself out of it and you realize that you've got plenty to live for. So, to sum up, any inexplicable, unusual, out-of-character change in somebody's mood or behavior is something that you would might be concerned about is that they might have mental health problems. It's not the end of the world. There is hope, there is healing, there is a future, and as Christians, we've got a fantastic benefit to this because here's the thing right I love this verse <laughs> this is from the message translation it says may God himself the God who makes everything holy and whole make you holy and whole and put you together spirit soul and body I love that um, and keep you fit for the coming of our master Jesus Christ the one who called you is completely dependable if he said it he'll do it here's the deal God has designed you God has created you God knows exactly 
how you tick. He knows every single chemical, hormone, neurotransmitter, everything that you have, he's put that there and he's designed you in such a way that you can operate at your maximum in him. Okay? Uh, but you know what? We're all talking about physical fitness. This is, you know, January, the time when we, we kind of renew our gym membership um, after not going for the last 11 months. Um, this is the time when we start to think about our, you know, diet. You know, there'll be some people doing vegan I think they call it, you know. Um, dry January. There's all this kind of stuff about our physical health. Do you know what? You can have good physical health, but if your mental health, psychological health, spiritual health is out of sync, then actually what you do physically is not going to actually help you. You know, God wants you to have it together. He wants you holy and whole. That's God's heart for you. So I'm going to show you how to do it. There you go. I'm going to show you how you can have great mental health, but to do that, I need to introduce you to your happy chemicals neurotransmitters within your brain that when they are increased you are in good mental health so let me explain them to you you know that feeling when you approach a reward or you achieve a goal you know like obviously I'm involved in football and that feeling when your team scores the winning goal in the last minute a feeling as a supporter of Partick Thistle that I have not had in a very very long time and as a result, I do not look to them in any way, shape, or form to help my mental well-being. But you know that way when you score a last-minute goal to win the match and you go, yes, get in there, come on. What's happening is you're getting a dopamine rush, okay? Because dopamine is what I call your motivation molecule. So whenever you do something that makes you feel good about yourself or you feel there's a sense of achievement, and, and there's a sense of a reward coming from that, then what's happening is you're raising dopamine levels in your brain, and what happens is you, your brain kind of trains you to go back to that thing which is a place of reward, yeah? Now, that can actually turn out to be a bad thing if you go to things that are addictive in nature, and you feel good for that moment when you are overindulging in alcohol, or you're taking drugs, or whatever else you're doing just to get that hit or that high, then what happens is you're raising dopamine levels, but in a very negative way because it's motivating you into self-destruction. So be careful. You know that feeling of just well-being and happiness? Often, you know, when somebody makes you feel valued and significant and purposeful, when you just feel really good about yourself, yeah? Well, what that is, is serotonin. I call it the happy hormone. Anyone that takes antidepressants, which is what we call SSRIs, they have a, a kind of synthetic, I call it, serotonin in it. It's, it's, it is serotonin, and, and it will help balance mood. However, it stops the recycling of serotonin within the brain, so potentially you may become dependent upon them in the future. So for me, before somebody gets to that stage where they need antidepressants, let's do some stuff that actually increases serotonin in the brain so we don't need the SSRIs. Makes good sense, doesn't it? I love this one. You know that feeling of being secure in a relationship? You know, where you feel connected with somebody, loved by somebody, or you love somebody. There's just that, that connection, that heart-to-heart. -heart. What's happening there is, is that's your cuddle chemical, oxytocin. It's a remarkable thing. Ladies, you, you get to experience probably more of this than men do. 
So, for example, when you're pregnant, your oxytocin levels rise, and that's why even in the womb, you develop a bond with that baby. When the baby is born, your oxytocin levels rise, and that aids in childbirth. It also aids lactation, where the milk goes to the breast to enable you to feed and to bond with your baby. Nowadays, in fact, you'll receive a synthetic form of oxytocin in the aftermath of a traumatic or difficult birth. So oxytocin's great. It's, it really makes you feel connected, yeah? So we're going to look at how we get that in the system. Brilliant. And you know that way when you feel euphoric or any natural extreme, when you're just buzzing on life or you're, you're buzzing on something that's really natural? Well, those are endorphins. I call it your, the euphoric effect. Fascinating stuff, this, right? Endorphins, right? Two words, endogenous, which means of the body, and morphine, which means a painkiller. Well, which is a painkiller, right? So what God has done in his infinite wisdom, I love this, when he created you, he put within you the capacity and the potential to release natural painkillers from your brain. So if you're playing a sport and you have a bad injury, in the initial stage, you don't actually feel the pain, do you? It's like, wow, it's almost like you're numb. What's happened is God has released endorphins from your body to mask that pain. Isn't that amazing? What a God we've got that he's created us in such a phenomenal way. But here's the thing. I can show you some stuff where you don't need to break your leg to see endorphins released. How cool would that be? (laughs) So we're going to look at that as well. So here's how we're going to do this, church, right? I'm going to show you some just practical things about how you can increase and release these chemicals. Then I'm going to bring you down to what the Bible says about the stuff so that you can see where all this wisdom actually comes from. And I'm going to really challenge you on stuff to make sure you're doing what you can to be in good mental health. We good with that? Okay, so let's go for it. Dopamine, the motivation molecule. Release when you approach a reward or you achieve a goal. So what can you practically do to facilitate increase of dopamine levels in your brain? Dead simple. Make a to-do list. Short-term achievable goals every day just five things I would say. Give yourself five achievable targets. Tick them off as you do them. You know what? After you've finished it, you're going to go, get in there. Get in there. If your life is just basically firefighting and spinning plates, your dopamine levels are going to be at a poor level because you're never going to feel you're getting there. You know that way? So what you need to do is compartmentalize things a little bit. Set yourself short-term achievable goals. They don't have to be big, massive things but things that you know you can do, and you'll raise dopamine levels in your brain. Be creative. Learn new things. Yeah? God wants to take you out your comfort zone, but won't take you out your skill zone, your grace zone. But get out your comfort zone, church. Learn new things. Learn new things. Be creative. The the brain is incredible. There is capabilities in your brain to continue to create new neural pathways right throughout your life. And if you do that, then that will stop the onset of dementia and Alzheimer's, etc. potentially. Exercise, one of my favorite subjects. Goal-focused exercise. Now, to achieve this to its best potential, you need a Fitbit. <laughs> my Fitbit is the most, one of the most wonderful things in my life. My wife, Ealing, doesn't always see it that way. Because I'm a wee bit obsessed about it. But I think it's a healthy obsession. I am that guy who at 10 to midnight, if I have not hit all my targets, if I've not done my steps, my miles, burnt my calories, 
and all that kind of stuff, I'm at the side of my bed in my jammies going, it's all right, sweetheart. I'm sure I'm going to do this. Don't worry. And I'll be all the happier for it, you know. And as the bedroom floor is reverberating as I am dancing in front of it. <laughs> oh, dear. I've learned now. I've learned to try and do it long before 10 to midnight, you know. Because I'm telling you, seeing my mobile phone, when it's sinking and I've got what I call my green spinning, I'm like, get in there. Brilliant. Dopamine rush right there. And sometimes Aileen will say to me, Matt, do you know just want to give it a break for one day of the week? Well, my research has shown me it's really important to keep the winning streak going. So I will not compromise. I will not negotiate. And that has sometimes led uh, to the odd altercation, shall we say. But see, to be fair, right, see, to be fair, um, Aileen's got a valid point in this, right? Because what I should really be doing is making sure I make room for it in my life and not taking up time that I should be spending with Aileen. Am I right, Aileen? I've, I've learned that the hard way, right? I'm telling you. So here's the thing, right? I make room for this stuff in my life. Like, in my job, I could easily work morning, afternoon, and night, easily every day. I could easily be sitting at a laptop. And so I make sure that at least one to two hours a day, I am doing something of a physical nature, be it walking, hill climbing, whatever it might be, I make sure I make room for that in my life because that's a priority. That's how I keep the winning streak going. Not like the time I took Aileen with me when I was working somewhere and we stayed in a nice hotel. Well, it wasn't brilliant, to be fair. Um, but we got to the hotel and it was about 8 o'clock at night and Aileen's expecting a nice, relaxed, romantic night. And I thought, oh, no, I forgot to do my exercise. And I thought, how do I do this? So I'm standing there talking to her, you know, like this, you know, in the, what are you doing, Mark? Eh, just, you know, having a wee jig. You've not done your steps. No, I haven't, no. Can you not give it a rest for one time? Well, so what I ended up doing was, in this hotel I had two floors. So I'm in the upstairs and I'm walking along. Okay, as fast as I possibly can, right? I'm like, no, this isn't cutting it. I'm not going to have to go outside. So I must have walked up and down right, in this hotel, anyone that would have saw me would have thought I had mental health problems, I'm telling you, so just to get my steps up, and the good thing about it was that I had a real dopamine rush at the end when I got my targets, um, I didn't have such a good experience with Aileen that night, but that's, a, that's fair enough, my fault, okay, so here's another thing, really good for dopamine levels is listening to good music, when I say the right stuff, you know yourself when you listen to music, you get a, you know, you can get a buzz off it, you get a lift of it, it's motivational. There's certain, I, I'm really careful what I put in ear gate, what I put in eye gate, what I put in mouth gate, yeah? Really careful. Really careful what music I listen to. I don't listen to music that makes me feel a little bit sad or, or whatever. Um, I listen to music that motivates me. Lyrically, it needs to be on point as well. You know, I think it's important what you hear. So I won't listen to music that's in any way degrading to, to women, that speaks of violence or drugs or all that kind of stuff. But I listen to music that is highly motivational, that really kind of gives me a right lift. Because research has proven that music can raise dopamine levels in the brain. Make sure music's a vital part of your life. And you've got a banging worship team here that should be raising the dopamine levels every Sunday morning, by the way. Brilliant. Yep. Okay. So, serotonin. Now, Serotonin is, uh, as I say, the happy hormone, um, and you would think there's certain things you can do that this will surprise you some of this stuff. 
So one of the things that's really important, enrich your diet with B vitamins, especially B6 and B12. Um, you might need to supplement them into your diet. You'll, you can Google them and see what foods you'll get them from. Um, if in doubt, use it. Embrace sunlight. I know that's a bit of a challenge in Scotland, right? Uh, but vitamin D is vital. I was working with Liverpool Football Club a uh, year past. Um, I know that Jimmy's a Man United fan, but we'll forgive him. Um, so, you know, I was working with Liverpool, and they were telling me that historically they used to find that they would sign players from Africa, the Caribbean, and they would, they would arrive in Liverpool in, in June, July, pre-season training, and it'd be great for them. Like, you know, loving kicking the ball in the green lush Anfield turf and living in Southport by the sea. It was all good. But, you know, when it came to December, when it was chucking it down in a freezing cold Tuesday night at Anfield, they didn't fancy it then so much. And they were kind of questioning their resilience and their desire till they discovered there was an extreme vitamin D deficiency. So I would say of, to anybody who comes from out with Scotland, you need vitamin D supplements living here. But I would say to Scottish people, you need it just as much. So like, as soon as the clocks change, you need to be on vitamin D supplements because it will radically affect your energy levels and it will also affect the serotonin levels in your brain. So at Liverpool now, they're compulsory and they've noticed a massive change. So vitamin D, really, really important. What's also important is what you take them with. So eat them with slow-burning carbohydrates. So for me, I'll take it with granola, superseded bread, because that helps the, the vitamins assimilate into your system. If you just take it with a glass of water, you'll just pee it right back out. So it's, what, it's really important what you eat them with. Right, now you're thinking, is this a Superman film? What's tryptophan? What's <laughs> all that about? Well, tryptophan enriched foods are basically your protein foods. So like eggs and chicken and, and stuff like that. So let me try and explain a little bit what happens when you eat them. When you eat tryptophan-based uh, foods, you can Google this. What happens is, is that that can convert to serotonin in the brain. So there's a big link between the gut and the brain, between food and mood, right? The key thing is, is what you eat them with. So if you eat them with bad carbs, as I call them, you know, ones that you get a quick hit from. Uh, so your processed foods, your, your sugars, your, your basically your McDonald's, right? If you eat them with that, what happens is when you eat carbs, it opens up a window. As your insulin levels rise, it opens up a window in your brain for the tryptophan to reach your brain to convert to serotonin. But if you eat the big bad carbs like McDonald's and that kind of stuff, then basically the window opens very quickly, but shuts very quickly too. And so not much tryptophan actually accesses your brain to convert to serotonin. Therefore, if you eat it with slow-burning carbs, your glow-glycemic carbs, then that creates that window of opportunity as your insulin levels rise. It creates that window of opportunity and keeps it open longer for the tryptophan to convert to serotonin. I don't have time to go into this this morning, but Google it and find out for yourself. But one thing I'll say is, is that what you eat is what you are. And it does have an effect on you. It really does have an effect on you. More of that later. Did I mention exercise, by the way? Oh, I tell you, exercise. I feel like getting you running up and down the sport right now, actually. Just join in with me. But um, three times a day, 10 minutes cardio, essential for the release of serotonin. If you go to the doctor now and he diagnoses you with mild to moderate depression, he's more likely to give you a gym pass than actually medication. Yeah? If you go, in fact, in Shetland, if you are uh, prescribed, if you are uh, diagnosed with depression, mild to moderate in Shetland, you'll actually be given advice to go hill walking. 
That's what they're prescribing now. You know, exercise is absolutely vital. Get the cardio going, really good. And engage in good sleeping habits. I know this is difficult sometimes, especially when you've got little ones. Sorry, Zara here. But uh, they recommend you need between seven and eight hours sleep a night. And um, you should go to your bed at roughly the same time, get up at the same time, because your body's got a circadian rhythm and it needs routine regularity. And little practical things like don't drink caffeine after 2 p.m., don't drink yourself to sleep. These things are never good. But do what you can to give yourself the best chance of a good night's sleep, and it increases serotonin levels and leads to lots of recovery within the brain at night. It's vital. Oxytocin. Here we go. Loving. Does that say sex? Yes, it does. We can talk about that, Christians. It's all right. Legit. It's good. Okay. Interestingly, what they say is, I was actually working with some uh, professional rugby players over this last week, and uh, elite sportsmen are often known as, you know, just not being particularly monogamous in their relationships. And I was saying to them, you know, there's always somebody in the dressing room has got a reputation as being the, you know, the stud, shall we say. That wasn't the word I used, but, you know, that's, what, uh, that's a good church word for a Sunday morning. And I says, you know, and so they're all pointing to this guy saying, oh, yeah, this guy sleeps around all over the place, loads of girls. And I said, oh, mate, I'm so sorry for you. Your oxytocin levels are down there. Oh, mate, you know. I says, you know something? If you're in a secure, lasting, loving relationship with the one person, monogamous, married, I says, you have much more chance of the connection that leads to oxytocin levels rising. In fact, I've got more news for you guys. See, porn is really damaging to your mental health. They're all gutted. But I'm like, get this message out here. God's not a killjoy. God wants us to enjoy sex, of course he does, but just his way. And it will lead to oxytocin levels rising. If you're not in a position where that's possible, because you're not married, hugging works too. There you go. So hugging's great for oxytocin levels. So various psychologists say living an adventurous life with others is really good for oxytocin levels. Hello, church. You know, so, so churches like you that are always going to the next level, going to the next place, that's really good for oxytocin levels because you're bonding together, moving forward. If you as a church have just got a maintenance model and you do the same things every week and you're always the same as you've always been, then obviously all it's going to lead to is people criticizing anyway and getting grumpy. But when you've got folk focused in the future, when vision's at the heart of a church, do you know what? Oxytocin levels are going to be good. Listening well. Being empathic. Listening well to somebody increases oxytocin levels in your uh, brain because what you're doing is you are connecting with, with somebody heart to heart and that's actually really good for your mental health, they've researched. Laughing together, I think it's a sin if churches are not allowed to laugh. I used to get criticized when I was a pastor actually. Remember one time, it was a, this particular time was a, what I would call a deacon possessed church, right? I, I get called in, right, this time and they says to me, we just feel as if you're using far too much humor um, in your sermons. And I says, see if you knew what I held back, you would commend me. If you knew what Aileen had said to me prior to this and saying, don't ever say that again, then I says, you know, honestly, so, but laughing's good, eh? And it releases oxytocin. All good. And here's a cracker. Jesus said, did he know it? It's more blessed to give than receive. There's a science in that. Because actually, What's also interesting is 
that the word miser is connected with miserable. Therefore, miserly people are miserable people. And you know yourself, when you give something to somebody and, and, and you get that sense of joy and gratitude for them, don't you get totally buzzed over that? It's great. I should have preached this before we did the offering, eh? Could have doubled it this morning, Aaron. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, endorphins. Did I mention exercise, by the way? So you know that way when you're running and you feel like you're running and your legs are like lead and then you sort of somehow push through the pain barrier and you'll feel like you're running in clouds. That's endorphins kicking in. So exercise. Eating certain foods. I mentioned this tonight at the Fight Club. Because within chilies, for example, there's a thing called a capsicum. When you eat these spicy foods, what happens is then it sets off pain receptors in the brain. You know that feeling when you go, whoo, that would blow the heat off you. It's really nice. Well, what's happening is that that woof feeling is actually a pain receptor going off in your brain that releases endorphins. So hot spicy food is good for that. Dark chocolate as well a wee bit. Smiling. Actually, smi forcing yourself to smile. Put, it, put a banana in your mouth if you have to, right? But forcing yourself to smile actually causes your brain to think, oh, hello, let's release some, let's release some endorphins. You know, laughing, even anticipating a laugh. They actually did some research in a university. <laughs> and what they did was they got two groups of people, and everybody was to wear this, you know those sleeves that you get, uh, you put in the freezer, and then you put on your wine bottle to chill it? Well, everybody had to wear one of these in their arm. And they did this test to see about their pain threshold. So they put one group watching, it was like comedies, like, you know, different kind of, like friends or whatever. And the other group were just sat there looking at each other doing nothing, no conversation, no banter, nothing. And what they discovered was, was that those who were laughing, their pain thresholds were 15% higher. So there you go. So if, if you stub your toe, just have a laugh. <laughs> Anything that creates a feeling of legitimate pleasure. I'm saying legit because it needs to be legit. Do you know what I mean? So there's lots of things you might enjoy that actually aren't really, really good for you or don't benefit other people. And I think, do you know what? God's not a killjoy. The only things that God doesn't want you to do are things that would be harmful to you or harmful to other people. I think that's all right. I think that's a good God. So anything that creates a, a legit feeling of pleasure, do it because it releases endorphins. Right, the final bit. This is where we drill it down to the Bible. What does the Bible say about this stuff? This is when I start really buzzing. You think, my goodness, you're buzzing a bit the now, so <laughs> calm down, mate. But, but I get excited because a lot of people think the Bible is just archaic, it's not relevant. It's the most relevant book. This is the maker's instructions. Do you know? This, this amazing book has all kinds of brilliant wisdom in it that shows us how we can live our lives in such a way that we will be really well. So here's the first thing, 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, physical exercise is profitable. When I first became a Christian um, and the church I went to, uh, my, my pastor was, was rather rotund, shall we say, right? And he, he was castigating me this day and he says, you spend far too much time in that gym, you're making an idol of your body. He says, the Bible says, physical exercise profiteth little and godliness gives great gains. And I looked at him and I thought, well, it obviously profiteth very little in your life, you fat pastor. I said fat pastor, by the way. Um, and you know, I have an issue with that, you know, I, I do, I really, I really do, we, you know, exercise, God's designed you to exercise, and here's the thing, right, 
Like in Jesus' time, there wasn't a lot of chat about this. There wasn't. And that's because everybody exercised because they all had manual jobs. You know, they had to walk everywhere. They didn't have Uber. They didn't have cars or buses or anything. They had to walk everywhere. I mean, Jesus walked, dear knows how many miles, as with his disciples, with their physical jobs, as fishermen. Uh, I mean, somebody went and said to me, I walk with the tax collector then. I said, he'd have been well fit running away from people. Not a problem. So, in the Bible times, people were naturally, physically, energetic and fit. So, because we have a lot of sedentary jobs nowadays, as a result of that, we, we tend not to exercise. So, exercise is profitable. Make sure you do it. Food. Now, here's another kind of wee hobby horse of mine, right? Because, you know, there's another verse that says, oh, their God is their belly. Actually, I think that's the quote. Philippians 3 for 19 there. I think I've got that mixed up. That should be 1 Corinthians something, but it's no. You can check it out yourself, Google it. But Philippians 3.19 says that God is their stomach. And, and I think for a lot of Christians, they just think, well, I eat what I enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that per se. But remember that you're eating for energy, not just enjoyment. Remember that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Remember that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not a cathedral. Remember that God has not given you permission to build an extension, right? You've got a body and you ought to look after it. I've got a car and in five years' time, I'll, I'll, I'll trade that in for another car. But see, in the meantime, I'm looking after it. I'm, I'm getting it serviced. I'm not just putting diesel in. I'm putting unleaded because that's the fuel that it needs to run effectively and properly. See this fuel tank here? I don't get to trade this in. This is with me to the day I die. Therefore, I need to look after it. But not only that, I need to look after it for my physical well-being, but also my mental well-being. So I'm really aware now of what I eat and the effect that has on me mentally. Be self-aware. Everyone's physiology is different. But you will know yourself, if you're eating certain things that don't agree with you physically, you, you stop. There'll be stuff you might be eating that actually has an adverse effect mentally. Be aware of that. Whatever, whatever you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. Sleep. <clears throat> this is a challenging verse. In vain you rise early and stay up late, eating the bread of anxious toil. But the Lord grants his beloved sleep. That's a promise. But for the Lord to grant his beloved sleep, they need to give him a chance of getting it by going to their beds at a reasonable time. Yeah? And so staying up late hours at night burning the candle at both ends. Guess what happens when you do that? If you burn the candle at both ends, you've got nothing left in the middle. So give yourself a fighting chance of a decent sleep by being disciplined and getting to your bed at a reasonable time. Take responsibility. Rest. Jesus said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and, and get some rest. You know, a vital part of my day is what we traditionally call the quiet time. Just where I just hang out with the Lord, read the word, I pray, Spend time praying with them all day, but you know, I'm just, it's a time for perspective, a time to look down on things. I call them my hot air balloon moments, when I just get with God, recognize I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, look at things from his perspective, and I just think, you know what, God, you've got it sorted. We, we can get through this day, because you've got it sorted. You've gone before me. You know what's happening. You know what's going to happen, and you know how it'll all work out. I'm good with that. And I find that spending that time away from the busyness and manic nature of life and spending time with God to get perspective, really vital. 
Ministry is important. This is this verse from Matthew where, you know, it talks about his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I speak a lot to pastors now and I say, you know, God has called you to walk in unforced rhythms of grace. In other words, yes, he'll take you out of your comfort zone, but he won't take you out of your grace zone. And so often in churches, we find people are doing jobs in church they're just not graced for. You know, I, I don't think this will happen here, but I used to find this when I was a pastor that, you know, if somebody was a, a deacon or a leader and an elder, they felt they had a right to do certain things in church life. And I'd be like, but you're not gifted there. And if you're not gifted in that area, all you're going to do is stress yourself out and, and kill everybody else. So do what makes you come alive and what makes everyone else come alive. If you're doing stuff that's just not your skill zone, just not your, your gifting, not your anointing, you're going to kill everybody around about you with it and you're going to kill yourself. Do what makes you come alive. And I just say this on, on Aaron. Aaron, as, as your senior leader, is going to have some amazing gifts, but he's not going to have every gift. And I hope that you as a church never have expectations of this man to operate outside his grace zone because you're going to kill him. Release him into what he's brilliant at because he's brilliant at plenty. But see all those areas that he would tell you is not his skill sets, that's not his anointing, that's not his passion, that doesn't make him come alive. Take them off him and somebody else please do them because that way you'll get a much better guy and a much more happy pastor out of it. Am I right? Yes. Get in there. See, what often happens in churches is, is that, you know, after church on Sunday, they go home and they have lunch, roast pastor. And, uh, and they talk about all the things the pastor's not very good at. And you're like, yeah, well, why are you asking him to do them then? Release him to do the stuff he is good at. Yeah? Amen. Good. That's a wee hobby horse, but I'll not spend too much longer. Number six, I talk about doing new things for dopamine. Bible says we are God's workmanship creator in Christ Jesus to do good things which God has prepared in advance for us to do. The exciting thing about becoming a Christian is that God is never surprised. When I became a Christian, do you know what? I actually took one and a half years for anybody to believe me. They all just thought I was, seriously, thought I was just taking the mickey, that I wasn't being serious. And it was like, God was not in heaven going, Mark Fleming, a Christian, angels, what the heck am I going to do with him? I didn't see this coming. But you know what he did? Because he sees everybody coming. Everyone that's here this morning, he saw you coming. You knew you'd be here. And he wants to tell you he's got a plan for your life. He's got things for you to do in your life. Part of his plan and purpose you would never have dreamt possible. But in him, all things are possible. And I think that's a really good thing for your mental health. When you do new things, when you do stuff that are just out of your comfort zone but things that God's designed you to do. Relationships are really important. You know that. You know people in your life, and let's be honest, are mood hoovers. You know, when you're with them, it is a struggle, and you need a wee bit of a break afterwards because they just suck the life out of you. They're drains. And then you get people that are radiators. People that you hang out with, and you, there's an energy between you. You know, you, you get a buzz off them. You know, you... Hang out with those people as much as you can. Some relationships you don't have a choice over. It's just the way it is. Uh, deal with it. But make sure you do have other people in your life that you're getting a good relationship dynamic with. Really good for your mental health. Thanksgiving. Be thankful in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's a science in this. I read one psychiatrist. And what he said was, he said, 
Think of three things to be thankful for every day for 30 days, and your dopamine levels of your brain will rise. And I'm thinking, guys, we came out with this years ago. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I mean, it's a daily practice of just thanking the Lord for what He's done. His faithfulness, His goodness, the things He's provided, the things He's done. And you know what? There's no doubt about it. It's really good for your mental health. I read another GP and he, he talked about having, having a happy memory box where you keep, you know, little things that remind you of better times, of good times, of hopeful times. God's got all that sorted. Have an attitude of gratitude, folks. If you continually think about what you've got to be thankful for, your oxytocin levels will rise, so will your serotonin rise because you're going to have a sense of value and purpose. Stay positive. Music. Singing music in your heart to the Lord. You know that they say that singing together raises oxytocin levels. So you're raising oxytocin levels every Sunday morning in this place. So music's good. God had it sorted. To your left, laughter. A cheerful heart is good medicine. Don't take yourself too seriously. Um, no one else does. Um, and finally, this is my last one. This is my last one. This is... If you're allowed to have a, a favorite verse in the Bible, this is mine. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called his children. And that is what we are. When I mentioned about serotonin early, I said that when you feel valued and purposeful and significant, your serotonin levels will rise. Sometimes you don't get that off human relationships. Sometimes people let you down. Sometimes people are a disappointment. Sometimes people die and you know, just for natural reasons, they're no longer in your life. And if you look for value, significance, and purpose from people, ultimately you'll always be disappointed because that's the nature of life, folks. But when you know from experience by entering into a personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus, when you know how He values you, when you get to understand that the value he places in your life is the blood of his son Jesus, that's what you're worth to him. You're worth sending his son to die for. That's how much you mean to him. When you realize your significance is that you are a child of God and that that acceptance that you have by God is an eternal one and it can't change. When you know that you mean as much to Father God as even his own son Jesus does, do you feel significant? When you realize that Father God has purposed things for your life from eternity, you have a purpose like you would never believe. And you feel your purpose is in Him. Your serotonin levels will really shoot through the roof. And I would just want to encourage you as we close today is that you get your sense of value, significance, and purpose not from people, not from work, not from achievements, attainments, material things. Get it from a relationship with God. And whatever happens, ups, downs, because that's life, you'll always have that equilibrium because you know what you mean to Him. This is the truth. The Father wants to lavish. I mean lavish. Everybody say lavish. He wants to lavish His love upon you. That only comes through experience. It comes through relationship. It comes through just giving yourself to Him. And I want to encourage you, if you've not done that before, to make sure that's what you do before you leave this place today. Amen.
God bless you. Have great mental health. God bless you.